Good morning. Good morning, Ron. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church, to Mountain View Church, where our love for God leads us to love our world. I always like to say it's so good to see all of you. Not able to say that today. But we do miss you. We've been thinking a lot about you, praying a lot for you. know you're praying for us as well. And yeah, there's just a sense right now, I just really feel a sense of God's Spirit here in the fuel home. And I hope that you're feeling that in your own situation as well, wherever you might be as you watch this today. Uh, we are still looking into some different things for you just to know that we're looking into Passion Week. Not for sure what we're going to do yet, but we'll keep you posted. Make sure that we have your information um, so that we can send things out to you. Mexican trip canceled. Uh, sorry for the inconvenience there. Small groups, we're looking at ways that we can maybe get you connected just like this so we can be talking to one another. That would really be cool. So we're hoping to do that soon. Um, yeah, let us know what your needs are during this period. Just text us, send us emails, call us. We want to be praying for you. We want to be supporting you any way we can. And, and please continue to support MVC financially. So we're currently moving ahead still on purchasing this building. And that would be a really exciting thing when all this is over to be able to have a building. So we encourage you to continue to give and just trust God with what he will do with that. Uh, exciting, but scary times. Exciting because God is in control. And we know that uh, he has his thing. So let's go and talk to him now in prayer. Will you join me, please? Father, we love you, and we are so grateful for your love for us. And these are scary times, and we don't understand what's going on, but we know that you do. And we love you, and we believe we're called according to your purpose, and we trust you to be the one to guide us through this time, and pray that even with the separation of our physical bodies from one another that you would minister to our spiritual soul today through worship and through your word Lord it, this isn't about me I, I pray this would be about you and I pray that the things that are spoken today would be things that would go deep into our hearts as we wrestle with the word of God and we come out on the other side deeper in our faith and more encouraged than you and we Pray these things in your precious name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've always liked to protect people. You know, when I was a kid, I was told to protect my sisters. And as I got older, of course, I protected my wife and my kids. But have you ever noticed that even though you want to protect people, you can't always do that? I was reminded of that this week. See, when I was back in high school, I did a different form of protecting. I was a center, a lineman on our football team. And one of the guys that I protected was Tom. And he was an incredible athlete. He was our star running back. And if we could spring in and get him going, nah, then we knew we were going to have a good day. Tom was probably the most athletic guy on our team and probably the most competitive person I've ever played any sports with. He was intense. Um, sometimes he seemed too intense to me. And sometimes I know he got a little disgusted with me and some of the pranks and things that I would play in the locker room. For him, it was about business. It was about winning this game. Uh, we played together and became friends over time. Last time I talked to him was at a reunion, and we talked about old times. There was this one play where he put his hand on my back, and we would just 
run forward with a bunch of guys that myself and our guard, we would all tighten up and we'd run up the middle and those are good memories. It was a shock. It was a shock this week uh, when I received a text that Tom, who'd always stayed fit and looked good, had died. Uh, he died after a two-week uh, illness, two weeks of fever. They don't believe it's coronavirus. They don't know for sure what it was. But it made me realize that you can't protect people. I could protect him on the football field, but I couldn't protect him in life. You can't protect everybody. You can't protect your kids, your wife, the people you love. You can maybe do it for a season, maybe do it while you're in their presence, but you can't always be there. But if God is for us, if God is for us, then it's okay. If God is for us, we're going to be all right. And that's just what we're going to be talking about today. I don't know that God could have picked many passages much better than this, but we're going to talk about the fact that even though the world seems to be falling apart, hey, God is for us. And even though we feel like we can't protect our families, God can protect us. God's got this thing. And that's what we're going to talk about as we conclude our series today on um, Romans chapters 5 through 8. We're going to be talking through, we have been talking through the power of the gospel. And next week we're going to just kind of dip our toes into a new series called The Predicament of the Gospel. So go ahead and read Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 13 for next week. But for this week, I want to settle in on Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39. Let me read it for you first. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or the coronavirus? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for us. We are justified. Starts off and says, what should we say to these things? What are these things he's talking about? Is he talking about all that's been written thus far in Romans? Is he talking about what he just wrote about in the last paragraph or so? Probably neither. It seems, and this is the reason why we chose this section, I chose this section to, to be what we'd be talking about, chapters 5 through 8, is like one section uh, within Romans. And it's all talking about the same thing. It's talking about the power of the gospel. So in this passage, he celebrates it. He wraps it up. He brings it all together for us. And uh, what he's been saying, remember what he's been saying is that the power of the gospel is this, that if we have faith in Jesus Christ, 
we come into a personal relationship with him. And then we experience his power. His power starts with peace. It moves on to the assurance that we will one day be with him in heaven. The assurance that no matter how bad things get on earth, that he is with us and he's developing our character and preparing us for that time when we'll be with him in heaven. And we say, well, how can this all be? And we go back and we look theologically at Adam. And Adam's sin was the original sin. If it had not been Adam, it would have been us. And everything kind of fell apart. And then what did God do? Knowing that we couldn't do anything on our own, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to save us from sin and death forever. And so we come into a relationship with him, and now we have the power. The power comes through the Holy Spirit. And as long as we keep our mind on him and we're focused on him and we're loving him, then we experience his power in our lives. And we are adopted as his children. We have now vested in us the authority of heaven. We're part of the royal family. We're princes and princesses. And last week we talked about how wonderful heaven's going to be. And this week we summarize it all and we say, if all these things are true, then we need to know that God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? And, of course, it's rhetorical because there are people that are going to be against us. And we might say, why do good things happen? Bad things rather happen to good Christians. And it doesn't always make sense that we have these bad things happen to us. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit here. But what I think the focus is here is that even though bad things may come against us, the point is, is that God will ultimately be, be victorious. And the reason he's victorious is in verse 32, because he didn't spare his own son. He sent his own son to die, and because of that, we will be victorious. Because of that, we are justified. Because of that, we are set free. Because of that, we can have a personal relationship with him, and we can know that nothing can prevail against us. The coronavirus or anything in life, no matter how big and bad it is, God has this thing, and we can be encouraged by that. Now, once again, he floats back and forth between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Sounds redundant. It is. It's purposefully redundant. Paul says it again and again and again in this chapter because he wants us to see there's one God who supernaturally makes himself known or manifests himself in three persons, all God and yet one God. God the Father, um, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating how they are co-equal and, and existing throughout all of eternity. One of the fascinating things is we saw last week that whatever the Holy Spirit wants, whatever his will is, so it's the Father's will. So God the Father, you have God the Father, you have God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit submit to the Father, and yet whatever the Spirit wants, the Father does. And it's interesting here that it says that God did not spare his own Son, but in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says that Jesus gave himself. And so we see this interworking of them, all of them working together as one for the purpose of taking care of us. That's one of the primary purposes. If he loves us that much, if he loves us that much that he'd be willing to give his son, what else would he, what else would he hold back from us? That shows us how deep is his love and how deep is his commitment to us. And so with that in mind, who can bring a charge against those that God has chosen, he's elected as his own? Who? I mean, people can bring charges, but what good is it going to do? Stop and think about it. If he's the supreme being, then who's the supreme judge? Him. And if he's made the decision that we're clean and we're his own, then all charges are off the table. You can say whatever you want. Satan can 
yell lies at us, but all charges are off the table. He's declared us justified. And that's one of Paul's favorite words. It's a courtroom term. You bring charges against somebody, and Paul says, I've acquitted you. You've been acquitted. You've been acquitted by the God of the universe. So nobody can bring any more charges against you. You're good. You're good to go. And that's the point here, is that we are justified. We are innocent. We are declared innocent before God, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done and because we've placed our faith in what he has done. You know, a buddy of mine was, had, his dad was driving a car the other day. Well, this was a few years back now. He was driving his car and minding his business, trying to be good. Um, had family that was in law enforcement and he was really trying to be a good driver. Knew he was doing nothing wrong. He was even thinking about that. And all of a sudden he heard a siren. And the old man got pulled over. And he was a little bit ticked because he knew he'd done nothing wrong. He rolled down his window and he looked up and who should he see but his own son. Hey, Pops, I thought I'd play a little joke on you. He pulled him over in fun. He wasn't going to give his dad a ticket. It was his own dad. We could say, what if it was this, the other way around and the, son pulled, the father pulled over the son? Unlikely he's going to give him a ticket. He's going to say, don't do that again or else. Next time, maybe I will. But the God of the universe, the God of the universe, who's the supreme judge, has said, you're, you're done. You're okay. In that sense, there's nothing that we can do that is not forgiven. He's already paid the price through Jesus Christ, his son. You are declared innocent before him. That's pretty good news. And that should encourage us deeply. The second thing is, is that we are victorious, verses 35 through 37. And 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he's, again, using the words Christ and God and Spirit all interchangeably. But when he says this, who shall separate us from his love? Well, he hasn't talked about his love yet, but it's assumed. I mean, for him to send his own son for us, he's got to love us an awful lot. And so this love is so great, and nothing will separate us from it. And he goes through and he says tribulation and distress and persecution famine, nakedness, danger. He didn't say coronavirus. I added that. Um, but any of those things, I mean, that fits right in. And Paul knows because he experienced it. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a list of all the hardships he was through in his life, and there's only one on this list that he does not mention, and that is the sword. Because the sword is talking about execution, and at that time he was still alive. But at the end, he was executed and executed by a sword. And so Paul knew what it was like to go through these hardships. It'd be nice to, to say that, well, once we become Christians, we don't have to worry about going through hard times anymore. We don't have to, to worry about anything ever touching us. But nothing could be further from the truth. John Calvin once wrote, It is no new thing for the Lord to permit his saints, that would be us, to be undeservedly exposed to the cruelty of the ungodly. Now think about that. It is no new thing for the Lord to permit his saints to be undeservedly exposed to the cruelty of the ungodly. He goes on to say something that uh, kind of takes the wind out of you at first, at least for me it did. He's looking at Psalm 44, verse 22. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Do you know what he's saying there? Is that 
we are like sheep and will be slaughtered. You think about people that have sheep, what do they do? They slaughter them oftentimes. Every human being, in a sense, spiritually speaking, will be slaughtered. We will all die. We, from a humanistic sense, we are born to die. Think about that. We are born to die. That's what Paul is saying. It's pretty dismal. That's where it ends for everybody. But no, not for those of us that are in Christ. He goes on to say, no, emphatically, no, that is not true for us. Because instead, we have been made more than conquerors. If we love him and we know him, then we are more than conquerors. And that isn't really good enough. I love that phrase, more than conquerors. But I've learned that that is not really exactly all that's being said here. Because it's a heightened form of conquering. It's as if he were saying, we are winning a most glorious victory. Or he could be saying, we win the supreme victory through him who loved us. We're winning this thing. I like the fact that we're winning it in a present tense. It hasn't been won yet. In one sense, it has been won from an overall perspective. But where we're at right now, we're in the game still. When I used to play football, there were times we were behind, but it wasn't over till it was over. The game doesn't end till the last whistle blows. And we will win when the last trumpet blows. And that's what this is all about. So we keep on in the game and we keep on believing that God is going to make it happen. Uh, sometimes it doesn't look good. Corey Tenboom, I was reading recently, she said that things, her life looks pretty ragged coming into it, like a ragged piece of cloth. But when you get on the other side in heaven, she says that stitched into the embroidery will be the crown of heaven that's been given to her. And God is going to turn it all around for us. It's going to be exciting when we get into heaven. It's fun to win. How do you like to win all the time? You know, I had a rare privilege, rare privilege that summer. I was able to, um, to referee and oversee an um, a air hockey tournament. And boy, what an intense tournament among some young people from our church. And a lot of good players there, but uh, Caitlin Curry had the hot hand. I mean, she beat everybody. Our KJ was unstoppable. She was absolutely exhausted at the end, but I was, I was impressed. Uh, she's a good, good player. She can't, can't beat me in foosball, but she, um, she's pretty good in everything else. Actually, she does beat me sometimes uh, when I let her. But you know what? She, she did great, and I thought about that. I thought how cool that would be you know, to, to win like that. Wouldn't it be fun to win every time, to win the tournament? Well, you do. You know, it is neat to win the tournament, but along the way, it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, nail-biting. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? We are going to do it. We can know that we're going to win. So enjoy the battle while you're in it. There's going to be coronaviruses. There's going to be illnesses. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be persecution. But it's all part of the game, all part of the battle. And in the end, we will rise victorious. Finally, we are loved, verses 36 through 39. And, and Paul just waxes eloquent here when he pulls it all together. And I love his contrast. He says, death and life, they're not going to hurt us. Death can't keep us from God's love because God will bring us back to life. Life can't keep us from God's love. Have you ever thought about it? If we kept living forever, we would never fully experience the love of God in his presence. But God will allow us to die that he might bring us back to life in his presence. Angels aren't going to hurt us because they're part of God's kingdom. They're working for him. Rulers are probably in reference to demons. They're going to lose this thing. The, the angels will clean up on them. The things that are happening present, the things that are to come, the powers, 
probably demonic forces again. Those things can't stop us. Nothing can. Height, as high as we can see, as low as we can go, the whole creation, the whole universe, nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from God's love. That's how much he loves us. Way beyond anything that we can possibly comprehend. We talk about how much we love people. And we see this a lot of times when couples are dating and married, and we see this when they have kids, and we'll tell one another how much we love each other. But we're limited in our love. There's only so much we can do. But God, you know, even if somebody dies, he brings them back to life. God is there with you forever. We'll say, I'll be there for you forever. But we can't be there for them forever. But God can be with us forever. We let people down. God will never let us down. No matter what bad happens to us, God can make good out of it. God is, is always there for us, and there's no one who's ever loved us more. Oftentimes, we'll say to one another, you know, we'll play games like, I love you more. No, I love you more. Well, in God's case, God always loves us more. I want to wrap this up with a couple thoughts for you to take home today, although I guess you're already home, most of you. Um, no room for guilt. If you're in a relationship with the God of the universe, you've been declared innocent, and you have no room for guilt. Some of us like to go around feeling guilty. We almost feel like it's a badge of honor. We feel like it makes us closer to God. It does not. Uh, it's a dishonor to him because he has declared you innocent. And so you don't have to beat yourself up anymore. Uh, and if you do have feelings of guilt, then you need only bring them to him. Talk to him about them. Tell him, thank you that you've already died on the cross for my sins and you've risen from the grave. Thank you that you love me so much. Go ahead and read this passage over again and say, I'm beating myself up. I don't need to. Um, sorry about that. Get back on that horse and ride off. Don't live there. Don't stay there. Don't let that bury you. You're innocent in God's eyes. And live in that innocence. And live in the joy that, uh, yeah, you'll make your mistakes, but no need to let them bother you. You need to be resilient. Bounce back. God's already forgiven you. You've made the mistake. You're sorry about it. You move on now. You've sinned. You're sorry about it. You've worked it out told God, hey, I'm sorry I did that, and now I'm back, I'm going in the right direction. Don't stay there. Don't let it eat you up. Live in, as an innocent person would live. The second thing, live like a winner. Have you noticed that losers drag their feet and look on the ground? But winners, they walk on the balls of their feet, and they're looking up, and they're excited, and they're happy. That's how we need to be. And I encourage you to, to, to just be joyful and be bold in Christ. Tell others about him. Minister to others. Certainly don't put yourself in a dangerous position, but if people need food or they need help during this time, reach out to them. Give generously to, uh, to the Family Support Network, uh, which we work with. Uh, support the church in ways so you can give financially, but just be in people's lives. Talk to them on the phone. Send them texts. Check on everybody you know. Make sure you're ministering to them and encouraging them and being a light and being a supportive person uh, in the church, in the community. You're a winner, and you're untouchable, so live that way. Times are going to get hard, and they're going to get dark sometimes, and other times they're going to be light. We just keep following Jesus, and we enjoy him in any circumstances we're in, and we look to him for his guidance in our lives. Live in his love. I woke up this morning, and one of the first things I heard was a thumping noise. And I thought for a second, what is that? Then I knew my dog was up. Her tail was thumping because her master was awake. And as soon as I made eye contact, it started going faster. She was so excited just to see me. How excited are we to see God? We're that much smaller 
between the difference between myself and my little dog Maggie is, I mean, that's nothing compared to the greatness of God, compared to us. How excited should we be every morning to see our Heavenly Father, to tell Him we love Him, to communicate with Him all day long, and to be excited about His presence in our life. Have you ever written a text to somebody and it was really important, or maybe it was an email and you waited for them to get back to you and you keep waiting, waiting, especially like the email, you know, you keep checking all day long and it's not coming back and you're waiting, what are they thinking? God has already sent a reply to our messages before we send them to him. And it's called the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it's a voluminous book. And it has everything we want to know about this life. And you, most of you have more time than usual. Read a chapter a day. Amen. Pray through it. Maybe get the uh, daily bread. We don't have them to hand out, but you can get them online. So look up the daily bread online. And look through a devotional like that. And have it help you read your Bible. Pray to him. Write letters back to him. Cry out to him. Sing to him. Let him know how much you love him. Sometimes it would be nice to have a protective service, wouldn't it? But we have those services in Jesus Christ. And if you've received him, you are justified, you are victorious, and you are loved. If God is for us, we cannot lose. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you are for us. We thank you that we cannot lose. We thank you that we've already won the victory in Jesus Christ. Come what may, live or die, we will rise victorious and we will win in you. Pray that it would be of supreme comfort to us now and forever. Amen.